Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country. Oh, their heads on a swivel with all this stuff going on. Goodness gracious. Is it a great time to be a sports fan in New Orleans right now? What do we have going on? Well, let's see. Let's count the ways. We got the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Check. We got the Pelicans. Playing in game three of their first-round series against the Phoenix Suns, where suddenly they may have a real shot to advance and shock the NBA world. Check. We got the NFL draft coming up less than a week from today. Check. Saints got two picks right now in the first first round of the draft. Check. What the heck else could we have going on? Crazy time around New Orleans. Datitude. That's what this is. I have datitude. Supposedly. And this is episode number 67 for a Friday, April the 22nd, 2022. There's a lot of twos going on this year. 4-22-22. My beloved late sister used to think twos were some kind of... Whenever twos were around... Some kind of sign there was a lot going on. There's always a sign of something. Number two. I think it stemmed from when my uh, my baby sister drew twos all over the wall with Vaseline. Oh, that was a, quite the fiasco. Those twos stayed on the wall until we moved out of that house when I was into my 20s. That's right. I lived at home until my 20s. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I moved out when my parents said, we're moving to Florida and you ain't coming. Actually, grew up a little bit after that. But anyway, I digress. It is a beautiful Friday morning here in the city of New Orleans. It is a great day for golf. It's actually going to be a great weekend for golf. Uh, Warming up, temperatures in the 80s, winds blowing out there at Avondale is going to make the golf interesting. Um, So if you're a golf fan, head out to Avondale, TPC, Louisiana. Some of the greatest golfers on the planet are out there. This is the best field that I can remember. Uh, in this New Orleans tournament, and it is fun to watch. I have, uh, I've always been into golf. I've always enjoyed it. But I think since the advent of betting and the easy betting, let's put it that way, the legal betting, to where you can just pick up your phone and say, okay, I want to bet, and you can literally bet at any moment. The, the tournament, they could be going into the 16th hole of the last group, and you can still bet on it if you want. It's phenomenal. But I have found golf betting to be uh, the most fun out of all of them. And uh, this golf tournament is no different. It's, it's a little bit, the, ter- the structure is different, which makes it fun. But um, it's even more fun now. So uh, even if you're not that big into golf, if you're just learning, there's a lot of value in betting, uh, betting golf if you're interested. And uh, like I get into with Jeff Duncan, who's going to be our guest in just a little bit here on uh, Datitude this morning on a Friday. Love to have Dunk on because he's got so much insight. He's out there in Avondale right now. Um, there, it's one of those things where you only have to hit if if you like to take a couple medium. I don't even call them long shots, medium shots. Uh, like I've got Bubba Watson and Harold Vana the third. Uh, my my biggest bets of the week. I took three three teams this week, but if if you hit that 28 to 1, you only got to hit one every six weeks or so to make some decent money. Had J.J. Spawn a few weeks ago. Uh, $4 bet got me 600 bucks. Hit Scotty Scheffler Super Bowl Sunday. Um, so you only have to win one every six weeks or so. And that's the great thing about, about golf, as long as you do it correctly and obviously in moderation. And we try to do things in moderation, but uh, not always easy to do. With so many options. Um, so we're going to get into the Zurich Classic of New Orleans with Jeff Duncan. And of course we're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. Um, 
that's going to dominate the airwaves. The Pelicans right now are the number one story around New Orleans, um, even if you're not even into that basketball that much. I mean, we all root for underdogs, right? Well, the Pelicans, I'm not so sure that they're not even that big of an underdog now to win this series. You could still get them at two, I think just shy of two and a half to one to win the series. They were 16 to one. Just about, oh, I don't know, four days ago. And before the series started, I think they were 12 to one. Down to two and a half to one. The news that Devin Booker will likely miss the rest of this series for the Phoenix Suns. But as we get into, again, with Dunk, wounded animal coming into New Orleans tonight. I do not like, uh, if you're talking about betting-wise, I do not like the Pelicans tonight. It is not a good night to bet on the Pelicans. If you want to bet on on this game, you either bet the Suns or you don't bet. That's the way you got to look at it. Um now, I do like the Pelicans. I, if they lose tonight, I like them in, in game four. And I think this is going to be a fun series. I don't think it's going to end in five. I don't think the Suns are going to win the next three. They could. Um, but this Pelicans team has got a lot of fight. But you're talking about the best team in the NBA coming in. A little ticked off. Probably tired of hearing how good the Pelicans are. Um, and it's going to be really tough for those this team to replicate what they did in the last six to seven minutes of game two and that was that's basically counter every single shot the Suns made but regardless no matter what happens I've said this before it's Lanyap whatever happens now is Lanyap with Willie Green and this team uh, what he's been able to accomplish and get out of this bunch is nothing shy of amazing and I've said that over and over again I'll say it again amazing it really is. Um, and if they don't win another game, so be it. I, again, I don't think that's the case. I think they'll they'll play well. Um, and I think they'll win one more game here in New Orleans. And force that game six. Game six. If there is a game six, you realize it's going to be at the Smoothie King Center the same time as the NFL draft is going on. So the Saints will probably, assuming they keep their picks at 16 and 19, be picking around the same time the Pelicans are teeing it off, or tipping it off, not teeing it off, I'm thinking of golf. Tipping it off in the Smoothie King Center. You think that there's going to be a bandwidth problem, a cellular bandwidth problem in the Smoothie King Center, if that's the case? Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know a lot of you will... Be a little jealous, but uh, I'm getting ready to scratch something off my bucket list. Going to Vegas next week, my first NFL draft. All the, you know, all the the years in this business, I've never been to an NFL draft, never covered an NFL draft. Um, now, I mean, I've covered it from a studio, I've covered it from a media room, but I've never been at an NFL draft. So I get a chance to do that this week. Zach Ewing and I will be live from Las Vegas next week. Um, both on Thursday and Friday, covering the first three rounds of the draft uh, before we both head home. Uh, Zach's coming home Friday night. I'm coming home Saturday. Um, And we'll have a ton of coverage here for you on NOAA.com, obviously, throughout the week with our mock drafts. We're going to have a little thing on Bayou Bet Show on Monday, um, doing a little mock draft between us here at bet.nola.com. We're going to each take a turn. We're going to have our own little draft. It's it's not going to be your your regular mock draft. We're gonna go in. A, we're gonna have a certain order to go in, and uh, whatever the order is, whoever's first, they're gonna pick someone, and then the next person's gonna come up and pick. And we're not gonna use ten minutes like they do on TV, like they do in the real world. No, no, we've got sixty seconds to make a pick, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So it's gonna be a fun thing. Make sure you check that out in the Bayou Bet Show. And next week we'll have two episodes. Datitude. Um, Wednesday, I think, is the most likely day for the first one. Either Tuesday or Wednesday. May put it up Tuesday afternoon. We'll see. I'm going to have on Adam Chernoff early in the week. Uh, He's from Covers.com. I love having this guy. I've had him on this show once before, and he's been on um, our At The Book show. And he works for Covers, and he covers the NFL. And he's going to tell you his thoughts of the draft, but... 
in a different way than most people do, not just a mock draft. He's got to tell you if you want to put a couple bets down on who to look for, how to bet it. Uh, you can bet all kinds of different things about the NFL draft. And so he's going to be coming on early in the week. And then next Friday we'll be live at Vegas. So we'll see what kind of guests we can churn out from Vegas. Uh, it should make things interesting. That'll be fun uh, as Zach and I are live at Caesars Palace uh, Thursday and Friday of next week. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's see. Man, it is. I, I, I wasn't joking when I said your head's on a swivel. There's just so much to talk about around here right now. And, in fact, we're going to go straight to Mr. Duncan, and then I'll wrap up the show. Uh, just Jeff Duncan today. Um, and we talked to him for about 40 minutes, all kinds of interesting things. No one in this city has the sports insight that Mr. Duncan has. So let's get to him. Welcoming into the Dadtude Podcast on a Friday morning, live from Avondale, Louisiana. Beautiful Avondale this time of year. From the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, our own Jeff Duncan. And, uh, Dunk, you know, um, I couldn't find a calendar, so I decided to go and look at the uh, the baseball roto standings, and I saw you were ahead of me, so I figured it was April. We're all good. Everything's good. Don't need a calendar anymore. Yeah, I'm blasting uh, roster this year, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you, you took advantage of all my entries last year. I'm, I'm a force this year. All right, I'm, well. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident I'm going to be in the money this year. Last year you were uh, well, you were bragging this time of year that you were in the, toward the top of the standings and uh, I think know. it was actually it was actually earlier than this, but maybe. Oh, okay. All right. It I didn't around. fade like a summer. summer it was before the Kentucky Derby. I know that. Um, speaking of that, you know, I'm uh, getting a chance to, to scratch something off my bucket list next week. I am going to be going to cover the NFL draft in Vegas, but I am jealous of you because. You do something every year that is high up on my bucket list. It doesn't really have anything to do with what we're going to be talking about today, but I, I, I'm, I'm still jealous of you that you get to go to the Kentucky Derby every year, and uh, that's way up there on my list. Yeah, I'm actually not going this year. You're not. It's first year, not year in a long time, and this was the year to go because it's late. It's May 7th, which, you know, it's always the first Saturday of May. That's the latest it could be. And uh, it would work out well because usually it conflicts with the NFL draft or where I'm at today, the Zurich Classic. Uh, but I've got a conflict. I can't make it. So I'm going to have to find a spot to watch it in New Orleans. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of places to have it on. And I actually think this year, the Derby, we could have a Louisiana Derby champion go on to win the Kentucky Derby officially. Last year, of course, once uh, Medina Spirit got, uh, you know, I guess ruled. Uh, it's illegal. They did put up a Louisiana Derby horse, but this year I think Epicenter, the favorite going in, uh, we could have the first Louisiana Derby champion. So it'd be a special year to be there. I am booking you for May 6th. You are going to come on the show May 6th, and we are going to talk about the Kentucky Derby because I'm not a huge horse racing fan. I, I mean, I'll admit I like it, um, but there's something fascinating about that race that I just think is. Even people that, that aren't into horse racing don't know the ins and outs. My dad used to have, like, all the – way back before even computers, he used to have, like, all these little handwritten spreadsheets, and he'd figure out – I don't know how he figured out stuff, but he loved it. And he, he would get into the numbers and go to the track. And I loved going to the track with my grandfather back in the day, but I don't understand the ins and outs. That's the one part of sports betting that I don't really get, and I'm going to try to learn it, but the Kentucky Derby – it should be on everybody's bucket list, I think. Hey, we should go. Let's make a let's make a commitment now. Next year, when the fairgrounds is in session, we'll go one day, and I'll kind of show you just Absolutely. the beginners. Yeah, I think you'd like enjoy it. And then for people that aren't into horse racing, you could do what my family always did. I mean, obviously, my family wasn't a bunch of gamblers or anything, but we always every year would just take the field, and my mother would make little you know sheets with each horse in it. We fold it up, put the put it in a hat, and everybody put in like five bucks. I love family. it. We'd all, yeah, we pull out a name, and then you got something to root for while you're, and there'd be a pool of $100 or so. Right. And that always made it fun. So I would I would recommend that if you're just looking for a, a rooting interest. I think that's a great idea. And we're going to, you know what, we're going to find a way to make the derby fun. We're going to do something on uh, bet.nola.com with it uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But before we get there, 
you know, I joked in my monologue that, you know, all of our heads are kind of on a swivel right now. There's so much going on in New Orleans between the Pelicans and the NFL draft and the Zurich Classic where you are, which, and I watched a whole lot of it yesterday. Um, it's great stuff because it's different, even if you're a golf fan, which is why I think we're getting a lot of golfers here. Uh, some of the big-name golfers are in town because it is different, and they like the format. And it's kind of in between majors, right? They, they have a chance, like Scotty Scheffler had a chance to take last week off after the Masters, or, um, you know, they could take next week off or whatever PGA is coming up. And I think it's a great format, and the people who run the Zurich Classic, just, a, I think, a brilliant move. Yeah, it's a first-class event, and I think that helps – when you have Zurich as the title sponsor, I mean, that's been a godsend for the local tournament. Uh, they are as good a title sponsor as there is on tour. And you're right, J.D., I think that the, the new team format, it's just a, it's a break of the routine and the grind of the regular PTA Tour. Uh, players enjoy it. It takes a little pressure off in some ways. I guess it adds some a little bit because you're playing for somebody other than yourself. But I think the, the relaxed format of the team, uh, alternate shot today, yesterday was best ball. Uh, I think it breaks up the, the monotony of the, of the tour. And, uh, look, let's also uh, – let's not kid ourselves. I mean, New Orleans, a couple of players yesterday were talking about it. I mean, Cameron Smith, Australian, his whole family's here. And he goes, look, it's not hard to coax my family to come. You want to come to New Orleans? New Orleans. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, you got Prince Quarter Fest going on, so they could – Family can come out, watch the players play, and then they can go out and enjoy the city. Uh, there's enough time to enjoy the nightlife and then get back out here to the course. So uh, it's been a really successful uh, move for the PGA Tour and for the Four Kids Foundation. Five of the top six players in the world in the field. Uh, I can't remember we ever having that level of quality. And, uh, man, it's an incredible leaderboard after one day. It really is. And, uh, you know, I was listening to the, the, the broadcast on the Golf Channel when I was driving over to my game last night. And, uh, you know, some interesting talk about, you know, how these guys find their, their teammates. And, uh, you know, you look at the top of the leaderboard and you got Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele, two, two great golfers. But I didn't know that they were really good friends on tour. They spend a lot of time together on the tour. They know each other really well, which probably helped them to shoot a 59 uh, yesterday on the first day, but it, it you know, it, it allows these guys to be, um, when you're in the grind of the tour, even though you're friends, I mean, when you get out there, it's a little bit different and, and it gets these guys a chance to play rounds together, um, and kind of get to know each other a little better. Maybe not so much just the Cantlays and the Shawflays, but the, the guys who don't know each other as much. And they get, you know, the Bubba Watson and Harold Vaughn are the thirds. I, I love this stuff. I mean, you know, getting get a chance to watch them interact and kind of help each other after a shot or something like that, it, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. And, look, I think it, eventually we're going to see the PGA Tour start to incorporate a, a few more things like maybe mic'd up uh, players during, during rounds like that. We'll take it even more uh, to the extreme of letting people see the personalities of the players uh, I think that would be a great step. I, the one thing they're doing out here, I wrote about the other day, uh, Netflix actually is going to have uh, a docu-series in, kind of inside the PGA Tour, sort of like the Formula One series, F1, that's been so popular. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that because a lot of, I think, 20 players have agreed to it and more are coming on board. And they will, uh, they're going to have a whole year the PGA Tour, uh, and they're going to be mic'd up during rounds and things like that. I, I think that will open up the game to a lot of new fans, especially a younger demographic, which is what for the PGA is a shoot tour. And I think they're making great strides to do that. Um, I think they're already getting uh, more young people. I see, I can tell you from when I was covering the high school ranks, it hasn't been that long, even though it seems like it's been a while, that, that golf is uh, becoming a bigger and bigger sport amongst uh, teenage kids and they're, they're enjoying playing golf. And, you know, back during COVID, when I was playing, got a chance to play a whole bunch of golf, um, there are a lot of young people out there. So it is good to see that young people are getting into the game. Hey, man, they had the largest, I think, crowd yesterday that I've seen. I've been covering this event for over a decade uh, for an opening round, uh, by far the largest crowd. And I know talking to Steve Worthy, uh, the tournament director, said their sweet sales 
know, their club level sales have been sold out for months. First time ever it's been sold out that early. So you're right. I think there's a groundswell of support and positive momentum uh, for the golf tournament here. And it's also, I think, encouraging uh, to see the business community coming out because I know a lot of it have been impacted by the pandemic and sponsorship dollars are hard to come by. The fact that all those, that, that level of support from the local community has been so strong is a very positive sign for golf in its future. Uh, before we move on, I tell you what, it, it is an interesting top of the leaderboard after one day. And it gets harder today. This is the day of, of alternating shots. So it gets nobody's going to shoot a 59 today. Um, but uh, it, it will be interesting to, to see today. And all the big names, it's set up for Sunday to be a, a, a really huge day because I think a lot of those big names are going to be up there near the top. Well, today we'll kind of separate the field for more. The fortunate shot format, I think we'll see some of these really top teams that are already near the top kind of separate themselves. Uh, look, Cantley and Shockley, uh, they're elite players, so it's no surprise that they came in with a 59, even though that's never never been done before. Yeah. Incredible round. And I was out yesterday following Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, you know, the number two and number four players in the world. And they played great, J.D. I mean, they were incredible. They were seven under. And let me look up, and they're yeah. tied for 25th. You know, it's yeah. seven under. It shows you, shows you how many good uh, good rounds we had yesterday. Uh, Burns and Horschel are right there. I'm looking at the leaderboard right now. They're 10 under. Uh, you know, you mentioned Watson and Barner. They're both 10 under. So there's today I think we're going to get a much better sense of uh, who's going to be in this thing toward the end. And I think we'll, we'll see, especially the weather's beautiful today. It is. It was beautiful yesterday. Uh, it got a little hot out there in the afternoon, kind of baked out the greens and made them a little easier, I think. Uh, so we'll see what the – I haven't had a chance to look at the pin placements today. They can be tricky out here. And the wind picks up in the afternoon, as you know. It's classic Louisiana, calm in the morning. But once that, once that weather comes in and the sun starts rising, we get these strong winds and gusts. Makes this, this makes this course a lot harder to play. They're making it an interesting Sunday for sure. Uh, for me, you know, I, I mentioned Watson and Varner because uh, that's who my my big bets on, on the, for the week. They were twenty eight to one going in. I think they were below twenty to yeah, one. Yeah, what'd you get? What kind of um, odds? Because that, twenty eight to odds. one. That's a great bet. Yeah, yeah. I, that's why I, you know talking to our old colleague Brody Miller yesterday from the Athletic. And, uh, you know, people wager a lot on golf, but which it's is extremely popular, as we all know. And he said the value in this tournament was going to be the kind of second-tier, third-tier people. Uh, and I think he's right. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to – look, we have some star-studded teams, but that's often not who wins this event. And that's I right. think teams like Bubba Watson and Harold Marner, with the values there to kind of kind of spread spread your targets around. Yeah, and uh, there, there, he's right. Brody was right there. There's really not a lot of value at the top amongst the favorites. You don't usually see two eight fifties at the top right. up there. So in golf, but I think golf is the most fun sport to bet on. And for people that are just getting in, into betting, really, you pick yourself a couple golfers. You can bet ten bucks on a twenty five to one shot. You hit it. You get two hundred fifty bucks. It is fun. I hit a. I hit JJ Spawn a few weeks ago. Four bucks won me 600, 600 bucks. So, I mean, wow. you can hit him every now and then. And I had Scotty Scheffler's first win on Super Bowl Sunday. With all my other Super Bowl victories, I had Scotty Scheffler put 40 on him at 25 to 1, hit a, hit a grand on that. So, golf to me is nice. not, you only have to hit one every six weeks or so to win money. And that's, that's and the I, great look, thing I about think golf. It, and I think it opens up, you know, the door for new fans. I mean, Absolutely. obviously you're going to have a wagering interest. So, you know, you've got something invested, but then when you're watching the event on TV or on your laptop, uh, you now start to learn more about the sport Absolutely. just through osmosis by watching the, the broadcast. And then you start to get into it. So I think it's only going to be a positive for the PGA tour. I agree. And it is a lot, a whole lot of fun. All right. Well, we got two other topics to talk about this morning. So let's, let's move on a little bit. <clears throat> Save the saints for last. Cause I want to get into these Pellies. Uh, man, I, and I said before the play-in tournament, if they just won that first game at home, anything after that is lanyap. Well, these, these guys are sure giving us a whole lot of lanyap, aren't they? 
Yeah, great point. I think everybody felt that way. Like, kind of, uh, once they just made the playoffs, it feels like a successful year, considering the 1-12 start. I mean, very few teams, I think there's only been a handful, have ever come back and made the playoffs after such a dismal start. I think you got to give credit to Willie Green. I mean, he has been an incredible hire, done an incredible job. Uh, clearly, David Griffin hit a home run with that hire. Uh, I'm impressed more and more with Willie Green every day. You know, you How saw the adjustments he made from game one to game two. I think everybody liked to see that fire in him from that video that kind of went viral from game one in the huddle. And I think he, uh, he's he got these guys believing and, and they're closing out games that they would never have won earlier this season. You can just see the confidence in them. And the potential for this franchise now, Jim, is off the charts. I mean, as long as I've covered the team, I've covered them every year they've been here, from the Hornets to the Pelicans, I can't remember a greater potential for maybe championship success than what we have right now with the Pelicans. I mean, this team, what they're doing this year, has been extraordinary, and then you're you're doing it without the best player on the roster, Zion Williamson, and then this raft of draft capital they have at their disposal. It's really going to give them flexibility on how they build this team, and I think it sets them up for sustained success. This is going to be a blip on the radar, which is what we've kind of had in the past. Uh, this should be a long run if they handle things right. It's going to be very, uh, very promising future for the team. You, Dunk, you go back, and Chris Paul's last year were here with the Hornets. Uh, they made a run to uh, the semifinals, I believe, losing to the Spurs, or the conference semifinals, uh, losing to the Spurs in seven games. And then you go back, uh, what, four years ago, made a little run with AD. The difference between, to me, those teams and this teams is you knew that that was going to end. You knew Chris Paul was probably going to leave. You knew that AD was probably going to leave. This team is set up, whether Zion stays here long-term or not, this team is set up to be really good for a long time. Yeah, and all the traffics they have uh, gives them such flexibility. They can trade them, use it as an asset for a trade, or bring in more young players. The other thing I like about this team is it has the right mix of veterans and young players. I mean, they obviously hit on this past draft. I mean, Trey Burpee, I think, has got incredible potential. I love the way he's playing. Herb Jones. I, I, he's really opened my Herb Jones, and then the the find of all, you know, Jose Alvarado is your you know your backup point guard, something that's kind of hounded this team forever. They've never been able to find that guy. But then you've got Kyra Lewis sitting out. Uh, you know, he was a top ten pick a few years ago. So uh, there's so much potential here, so much flexibility, as I keep saying. And uh, you know, you have to give David Griffith credit. He was he was up Absolutely. against the wall there. I mean, his job was on the line. He knew it. Everybody in the organization knew it. He had to have a big year. I mean, the organization had really taken a setback the year before with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy, some bad trades. And he, look, I have to give him credit, under pressure, uh, he responded, made an incredible offseason trade to get Jonas Valanciunas here. Been another great fit in this offense, much better fit with Brandon Ingram than Zion Williamson. And then the trade of all trades gets C.J. McCollum. The more I, the more I watch C.J. McCollum play, the more I'm flabbergasted. One, that Portland traded him. I mean, why not keep him and Lillard around and build around them? I know there's salary involved, but why would you ever want to move on from a guy like C.J. McCollum? He's a winner. He gets it. He's sure. He's a leader. I mean, there's so many great intangibles that he brings, not to mention he's an incredible player. And then also flabbergasted that four teams – weren't in the hunt to get him. I mean, why would you not want that guy? Imagine if the Sixers would have gone no. all in to try and get him. Uh, I, I think imagine. he was a much better acquisition than James Harden for their team. I agree. So uh, I, I'm just amazed. That that trade was the catalyst for what we're seeing right now. I mean, maybe it's possible that teams didn't even really know that he was available, and David Griffin punched the right button. Yeah, it could be, but clearly that – was the thing, the, the, the impetus for what we're seeing now. He's just been a, a perfect fit. He, now that he's not having to play with Lillard, he's kind of taken over. Yeah. I know Brandon Ingram obviously coming off a great game, but I think the clear one option right now is, is C.J. McCollum with Ingram being – and I think Ingram likes that. Be honest, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Pers- 
personality is more to be like the one A, and he is really blossomed here. I mean, I've been a uh, something of a critic of Brandon Ingram in the past, just because I feel like he gets a lot of empty calories. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. he gets a lot of the points. He looks great in your on your fantasy team, but what does he really do to help win the game? Uh, and where does he show up in clutch? Tended to disappear before. That's not the case now. I mean, he was lights out the other day in game two. That's the best I've ever seen him play. It might be the best I've seen the Pelicans play. Uh, they hit eight shots in a row down the stretch, nine of the last 11 on the road. And look, I will say this. This is a good matchup for the Pelicans, uh, a bad matchup for the Suns to get the number eight seed. The Pelicans are much better than a normal number eight seed. And I think the way they line up, uh, their lineups, they match up very well with the Suns. And now with Devin Booker out, uh, it clearly, I think, makes this almost a 50-50 series. But I would, I would caution, J.D., uh, I think tonight the Suns are going to come out loaded fair. Uh, you know, they were probably embarrassed the way that game finished the other night. They wounded animal, as C.J. McCollum said, missing Devin Booker. That team didn't win 64 games this year by accident, right? Uh, they are going to be very difficult out. And I know the environment's going to be incredible in the Smoothie King Center, but uh, if I were a betting person, I think I would have to take the Suns, even though I'm not a better on, on – on, games like this that I cover. But I think if, if you were smart, the money would be sunk because I think the betting public right now is going to be all over the Pelicans coming back home. No Devin Booker. They just want you to. Seems like the time to go the other way. Jeff Duncan here on the Datitude Podcast on a Friday morning. I've said it before. Uh, Mr. Duncan only bets on on things that have four legs. So if they don't have four legs, he ain't betting on uh, which is, right, which is, you're right. Which is all good. Right. All I mean, but, and I hate to say that about the Pels because I actually think it could go one of the two ways, right? I mean, this energy in the in the arena tonight, this environment could put them over the top. I mean, it could catalyze them and give them incredible energy, and uh, they may just overwhelm the Suns with just the energy and, and the environment. But a veteran team led by a guy like Chris Paul, they've been in a lot of these situations before. I think they're going to be. I think this is going to be an incredible game to watch tonight. I think this is uh, one of the easiest bets of the entire NBA playoffs, and and I don't want I don't want Pelicans fans to get mad at me, but it's like it's like you say. I mean, it's it's a perfect spot for the Suns to bounce back. I still think it's going to be at least the six game series. I think the Pels will win Sunday I night, but I think like you talk about you talk about a wounded animal, the best team in the NBA. They're not the best team in the NBA for a reason. Um, or they are the best team in the NBA for a reason, I should say. Um, and I think this is just a bad – It's a, and it's okay. And all I've been hearing all week about, about is how great the, right. the the Pelicans are and what a great young team. And Chris Paul is going to be like, I'll show you a great young team. So it's and, – and If they win this game, this. I think they become the clear – if the Pelicans win tonight, I will say this. They are now the clear favorite to win this series if they win tonight. And here's the other thing, I think, in addition to all the kind of intangibles and the, the mental part of, the, of this, I also think it's just going to be very difficult for the Pelicans to replicate what happened the other night. I mean, they shot lights out, uh, you know, right. over 50% from three-point range. Uh, you know, you just it's hard to do that back-to-back games. Usually in the NBA, it tends to kind of fall to the mean, to the average. And I think the, the, the defense about the – Suns will have some adjustments. Uh, so I do think it's going to be hard for them to kind of match that efficiency on offense, especially down the stretch. I mean, you just don't make nine of 11 field goals down the stretch on the road uh, very often. Uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, to duplicate. Oh, yeah, and you talked about that. I mean, to me, that was the most impressive part because you kept waiting, at, you know, fans in New Orleans. I mean, it, let's get real. I mean, we can, we we always wait for the – the roof to cave in on you. I mean, even if you got a 10 point lead in, in any sport, you got a 10 point lead in, in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, uh, the walls crash down. I mean, you got a 10 point lead in the NBA against the number one team. Okay. When's the wall, when's the ceiling going to come in? And they just traded blow for blow for blow. And to me, like you said, that that's the most impressive thing that this team says, you know what? You ain't blinking. We ain't blinking either. Yeah, it's, speaking of walls crashing, and how'd you like to be a Minnesota Timberwolves fan? Oh, which uh, which Fred Anderson, our our old colleague, he is a very tortured 
Timberwolves fan, and uh, he went he went dark on me last night, JD, when I asked him how he was doing after that game. Uh, two twenty six, two twenty five point leads, I think they blew it one yes. game. Yes, and I had T Wolves are one of our best bets yesterday, by the way. Oh gosh, that was that was unbelievable. I don't know how they bounced back from that. Uh, it'll be very difficult mentally to overcome that. Uh, but I think this team's wired differently. I think a lot of it has credit has to go to Willie Green. Uh, There's no he's question. Still, still this confidence in them, and it's not just mentally. I think he's obviously doing things strategically that are setting his team up to be successful, and they, they're buying in. Yeah, if anything ever happened, and uh, he didn't want to coach basketball anymore, they could hire him over at Airline Drive and be like a personal motivator yeah. or something, because that dude is incredible. I mean, 41 years old or whatever he is, and I mean, the guy's coaching like a seasoned veteran, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing the job he's done. We've talked a lot about Willie Green. Everybody knows what I think about him. Um, I love this guy, and uh, I thought it was a great hire. And I didn't know how great of a hire it was, and I don't need to see any more to know how good he is. All right, let's turn our attention to the New Orleans Saints in NFL draft. How many mock drafts do we think our friend Larry Holder has done by now? Yeah, I saw Larry out here at the golf <laughs> tournament yesterday and asked him that exact thing. I think he said he's only done two so far. Really? But you know, really? you know, he's done more. I guarantee you, it's Fletcher Mackle. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's probably on like twelve or thirteen right, right now. Uh, yeah. But you know, I haven't done one yet, and I'm I'm getting ready to do one uh, for uh, the Tasmanian early next week. And I'm finding it more difficult than ever because I can't get a read on all the other teams around the Saints. This is this seems like a wide open year. There's no I agree. surefire. Uh, top five, you know, prospects or anything like that. So I think some craziness could happen above and behind the Saints in this first round. It makes it hard to predict who's going to be there when you're drafted at number 16 and number 19. There's a lot of circumstances ahead of you that are out of your control. Uh, so I think the Saints will probably fall back on their usual best player available strategy. Who that best player is, though, I don't think they even know right now. There's just too much, uh, too much chaos that's going to take place. You know the advantage, though, that they have this year? I, I think, you know, they always talk about best player available and, and whatever. Yeah, okay. We know, we know you have a couple guys targeted. If, if you don't get them, there's a lot of filth on filth words used in the room. I, I get that. But this year, they can be super flexible. Um, obviously, you want to tackle or – maybe the best offensive lineman available, and then you figure out tackle if you have to move, shift some, some things around. And you want a top wide receiver. One of those top three receivers is going to be there when you pick at either 16 or 19. So the Saints can kind of watch everything fall around them and people trade up. It's not like, oh, they traded up and they're going to get the guy we want. I don't think there is a specific guy that they wanted 16 or 19. I think they're waiting to see what falls to them. Then they have 10 minutes to decide and, they're going to get one of they, – they probably have a board with seven, eight, nine guys on it, and we get two of, of this seven or eight. We're in great shape. Yeah, I, I think people sometimes misunderstand uh, how the draft is done from, like, the team perspective. Uh, you, you know, everyone likes to think they're targeting players, and, and sometimes that is the case, but more right. often than not, they have guys on their board that are graded very high – like, it could easily happen this year uh, where they're at, like, 16 right now. Their, their highest pick is 16, where maybe one of their top five players that they have graded all of a sudden is available at number 12. And, and, and you know, the value has been there for them to maybe put together a trade and go up and get him at number 12. And then everybody says, like, oh, they, they targeted this guy. They went up and got him. Well, it's not really true because if he got drafted at number six, they wouldn't have made the trade. It was right. it's because the value is there. He was a top five player on their board. And once he got down to 12, then you're like, well, we can get one of our five best players. So we're going to go get him. They let things play out. And then they see as things start to happen, where they're going to make a move or when they're not, when the value is there. I was talking to Randy Bueller the other day about, if you remember this draft, when the Saints got Darren Howard, I think they got him at the top of the second round that year. And, Randy said they had it graded as a number eight player in the whole draft. So for them, they got a first-round player, and he ended up being a very good player for the Saints, and they didn't really right. need a defensive end 
you remember, they were pretty good shape on the defensive line, but for, for Randy's purposes, he says, we got value there. We got the number eight player in the whole draft in our, in our opinion. So that's how it really works. And I think the Saints understand that, like, the other thing I think people misunderstand is what's good for the Saints, how they have their board graded, is going to be completely different for other teams because of the systems and the, the schemes that they run. And I've said this over and over, like Antoine Winfield Jr. with the Bucks, he's an undersized, like, defensive back. Very good player, but he's they're not the Saints aren't going to draft a guy like that in the first round. They might take him in the third round because then the value plays out for them to make the move. He doesn't fit their scheme. Uh, Patrick Queen, great linebacker from LSU, undersized, not a big linebacker. I know a lot of people had him mocked for the Saints. They were never going to take him in the first round. It wasn't going to happen. He doesn't fit their prototype. So it doesn't mean they don't think they're good players. They're not good players for what they're running. So you can eliminate. I do it every year. I could go through and eliminate a lot of guys that are highly graded uh, by most of the media uh, media big boards because they don't fit what the Saints like to do. That's why I'll be, I'll be shocked, and I could be completely wrong because we do have a little bit of a, of a curveball or, or some unknown situation now with Dennis Allen now running the team. Uh, you know, Pete Carmichael's office coordinator. There's a lot of unknown variables here that weren't the, wasn't the case when you had Sean Payton after 15 years. I pretty much knew what he wanted in a quarterback, but I'm, getting back to my original point, I'll be shocked if the Saints draft Malik Willis. Uh, I don't. I think he's a good player. I think he could end up being a very good quarterback in the league, but he doesn't seem to fit what Jeff Ireland's prototypes are for quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think they're in position to take a gamble on a quarterback right now. Why would they? I mean, they don't need to. Uh, so I, I just would be surprised if a guy like that was one of their selections, even though I do think he's a good player and a good prospect. I think if the Saints go quarterback, it's going to be a little more of a sure thing. That's why I wrote about Kenny Pickett last. I think he's more of a sure thing. You know what you're getting. I don't think he's going to be maybe Tom Brady or Drew Brees, but I think he's going to have a long NFL career and be a guy you could win with. Uh, and I think that's what the Saints could use right now as a quarterback you could win with. They don't, they don't need somebody to win games for them. Even though the Saints don't necessarily have a – uh, they, they let's say this. Even though the Saints are, are are able to be flexible this year, I still think it would. You talk about Kenny Pickett, and I'm first of all, I'm not a huge Kenny Pickett fan. I didn't like the way he faded at the end of last season. He certainly played way better in the first half of the season than he did in the second half of the season, and for me, that means something. Um, against tougher competition, uh, I, I might add, but um. I will say this, regardless of what I think about Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or Matt Corral or whatever, I think the Saints, this is going to be the one year where we always see curveballs. You talk about it. They, they make trades. They make moves, whatever. I think this is the one year I think it's going to stick to the script. I think they, they really need to take a tackle or at least the best lineman on the board and shift things around and a wide receiver. And I really don't think they're going to stray from that. I think they know that's what – this team can win now, and what do they need most? And it's by far, it's one and one, it's one A and one double A, offensive tackle and wide receiver, and whatever you think the next need is is way down the list. I'd be surprised if they stray from that. I'll be shocked if they don't take a tackle in the first round. Yeah. That'll be the one thing that will surprise me. I won't be shocked if they don't take a wide receiver. I yeah. think that's a little overplayed. It's because there's so many good receivers in this draft. I think he could get a good one round two with that 49th pick. And, and, and I think they also, you know, people forgetting they Mike Thomas coming back, you know, he's, a, that's he's right. the number one wide receiver. Yeah. So I, I do think like that's a little played like and I, a healthy Traquan as well and a healthy Traquan Smith right. as well. Here's, here's how I look at it, man. I think the saints take a tackle at 16 and I think they could go if Kenny Pickett is there 19, I think they could take, him then and then come back and get your receiver 49 it's a guy that's probably going to be graded very high on their board especially and i think that would be a, a, a lights out draft but i also think uh, they could take potentially take a safety uh they've done that in the past we know they took marcus williams in the second round uh i don't think it's as glaring a need as a lot of people do uh because i do think they're set right now but if you're just looking strictly at value 
there's about five or six good safeties in this draft, and I know how the Saints think. Value. They're going to take value. If they could get a guy, say, at 49, if they've got a guy in their top 25 or 30 prospects from the safeties, that would shock me to see a little trigger on that position. And I know Saints fans probably would shake their head and maybe not like it, but you, you talk about potentially moving up to, like, 12 or something like that if, if – one of their top fives on the board. I could absolutely see them moving up four or five, six spots to get some tackle that they really want. If one of those yeah. big name tackle guys are, are up there on the list and, and they're still available at it, 11 or hey, 12, they could easily move up. It, it also wouldn't surprise me to see them take a cornerback it's because you, you can't get enough good cornerbacks in this league. Uh, you know, right now they're in good shape with Lattimore and Adebo, but the, the third the third guy right now is Bradley Roby. Uh, you know, you could—he's not going to probably be with this team much longer. So, it wouldn't hurt to get a third corner. Those guys tend to get nicked up a lot. So, I think that is a position too that could be sneaky for this team. Uh, and then we we know running back uh, because of the situation with Alvin Kamara sure. and because Mark Ingram's status. We don't know. Like, it wouldn't shock me, Jim, if the Saints draft a running back if. Mark Ingram doesn't make this team. Like, I could see them cutting him uh, in final cuts at camp if they like the guy that they get just because of value and where Mark's at in his career. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you, you for me, we talk about 1A and 1AA uh, lineman and wide receiver. I think two or three or whatever you want to call it. I think right there is running back because not only do we not know how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out, Mark Ingram's getting a little long in the tooth, but beyond all that, I mean, people don't realize, I mean, Alvin Kamara has been in this league long enough to where, I mean, he's starting to get towards the back end of his career. I mean, that's when speedy wide receivers who take a lot of hits. I mean, we've already seen him get nicked up here and there, so even when he comes back. So I think this is – I think absolutely the Saints are going to need to take a wide receiver high in this draft. I mean, a running back high in this draft. No, a really good point. Uh, the wear on the, the, the tire certainly starts taking its toll after about five years. And uh, and I think if you can get a guy like a Camara, I mean, I think that's the other thing. The Saints sure. really value you know, receiving skills out of the backfield, things that Alvin Camara brings to the table. Uh, I think a guy like that would have value – the team, and you can get running backs now, really good ones, in the third, fourth round. Uh, it's amazing how devalued that position has become. The one position I think the Saints don't need any help at is defensive end. I, I was looking at the roster the other day. I, I'm kind of shocked a little bit at what they're doing. But, you know, there is a philosophy sometimes in the league where you draft or you acquire to your strengths. And right now the Saints defensive line, I mean, they've got like about 12 or 13 defensive linemen that I think can play. Uh, they're really deep. Uh, and, look, that's an important position, obviously. That's where the game's won and lost. But that's an area where they're very strong. Also wouldn't surprise me to see them take an interior offensive lineman. Uh, you know, they could take a really good young center prospect. There's some good centers in this draft. And then you have the flexibility to maybe move Eric McCoy to guard if you want. He's such a good player. I know he's going to be a foundational player going forward. But uh, with Ruiz's struggles, I don't think it's solidified at all that, uh, you know, your starters along the interior. Andres Pete's contract starts to become an issue, too. So I could see them, value-wise, taking an interior offensive line. Andres Pete's health is always an issue as well. So, I mean, you know, it seems like every right. year we're talking about whether Andres Pete is going to be healthy or not. Uh, well, 100% agree. Um Lastly, before we let you go, well, let, I know you haven't done this mock draft yet, and I'm not going to ask you for specific players, but do you, do you, in your heart of hearts, do you think the Saints stick at 16 or 19? And, or, are they, or do you expect them to make some sort of move? Just knowing how they work, I think they'll move. I think they'll make a trade. But I don't think they're going into this, for, you know, I don't think they made this trade to make another trade. I think they made this trade to, you'd have the flexibility to make a trade. Now they can move up or down. It wouldn't shock me. I told somebody this the other day. It wouldn't shock me to see them take 16 and find one, like we talked earlier, the scenario where one of their top five or six players drops to in the 10, 11, 12 range. Then go up and get that player. And you have to trade some draft capital to 
do that. But then it wouldn't shock me to see them take number 19. And, and Mickey Loomis brought this up the other day to Peter King, this scenario, because you've got five or six teams, I think, that don't have any first-round picks this year. There could be a team down there in the second round without a first-round pick. Absolutely. It might that see one of their top player, graded players dropping and will want to get desperate to trade up and get that guy. And I can see the Saints trading down. I know they very rarely trade down, but in this scenario, if they want to go up and get a guy at 16, then go down and acquire what they lost to trade up from 16, they get that, that draft capital back and get a player in the second or third round extra for what. So I can see I, them going both ways. Yeah. I actually said uh, on Monday's uh, By You Bet show, I think there's just as good of a chance, if not better. I think this trade with Philadelphia makes a whole lot more sense to me. I wasn't a big fan of this trade, by the way. But I think it makes a whole lot of sense. If they do, if they, you make that pick at 16, and then you trade down with the 19th pick, and basically you'd get a free second rounder out of it somewhere. Right. I mean, so to me, then, okay, now I get it, and it makes a whole lot more sense. Because, really, this team really doesn't need a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. They have the two, to me, specific needs. But like you say, it's a wide receiver, heavy draft. It doesn't have to be first round. It could be second round. It could be third or fourth round. I mean, you and I have both seen through the years, third and fourth and fifth rounders, Marcus Colston, you know, one of the last picks of the draft. I mean, he, this kid is now a Saints Hall of Famer. So, I mean, you can get a wide receiver later if you need to that's going to have an impact. And I agree that the need isn't as big as Saints fans think it is because of what we have coming back. So, it's going to be an interesting draft, Dunk. I can't wait to see it. Um, the only, you know, I, I do have to spend three days in a row with Zach Ewing, but I'll figure it out in Vegas. We'll, we'll figure out how to, how, to, how, to, how to make it work. Well, you know, this, Jim, uh, we talked earlier about the Pelicans. If they win one of these next two games, it guarantees the game six here in New Orleans, which will be the exact night, exact night of, of the first round of the draft. Yeah, so it's going to be crazy next Thursday if that happens. There will be a, if that happens, there will be a lot of people using their cellular devices inside the Smoothie King Center on Thursday night for sure. So it's going to spread thin the local media core big time. <laughs> There's no doubt about. You'll have to figure out the 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 Wi-Fi password in the Smoothie King Center. Jeff Duncan, right. thanks for taking time out uh, at the Zurich Classic, uh, and thanks for your great coverage, as always, and uh, your insight. Very, uh, it's invaluable to us here, not just to the advocate, but in, in the city of New Orleans. Thank you so much. All right, J.D. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Jeff Duncan of the times Picayune, the advocate, and NOLA.com. And, uh, you know, when Jeff moved here, I was – and became a columnist. I think I was still an agate clerk at the time. Either that or I was starting to design pages. So he was always a guy, if you've never met Dunk, that's just highly approachable, easy to talk to, easy to just shoot the breeze with about sports. And um, I think that's what I love about him most. I mean, he's been obviously the best friend to this podcast in, in our infancy here. I guess we're not in inf- infancy anymore. 67 episodes in and, what, seven, eight months into it. Um, but he has certainly been our most frequented guest. I'm, I, I mean, I don't know the numbers for sure, but I'm guessing eight or nine times he's been on now. And uh, every time he comes on, it is the most listened to, podcast that we have and we've had some great guests we've had dale brown ricky jackson uh david baker uh former nfl uh former football hall of fame president um we had stan verrett on uh, on episode number one um just we've had we've been lucky enough to have some really great guests and jeff duncan still is the most listened to guest we have every single time um that he comes on and so people of new orleans obviously know what I'm talking about and respect them. So we thank them for taking out time about twice a month, and um, hopefully he will continue to come on. We also trying to have something in the works when we come to football season, do something a little special, maybe a weekly thing. We'll talk about that in a couple of months. Uh, it's hard to believe. You know, we're getting to that time of year. Um, as we go into summer, and, and enjoy this, this frenetic pace that we have right now. 
because to me, even though I'm a huge baseball guy and I love baseball and it, I really, it really is my favorite sport, it is so crazy this year around here that I haven't really even had a chance to enjoy a lot of baseball. As many of you know, I'm a huge Cubs fan, and I probably, I don't know that I've seen, in fact, I know that I haven't. I have not seen a full Cubs game yet this year. I think I've seen maybe four or five innings of a game here or there, and I've obviously, um, whatever I'm doing, I'll check a score during the game, or I might listen to it on the way to something, but I just haven't had time. It's one of those crazy years. But we're about to get into, you know, after the draft's over, um, and when the Pelicans are done, it's uh, it's going to come the, the dog days of summer. Because, you know, once the Pelicans are done, really, I think we just shift our attention to football, and that's what we talk about. That's all we'll talk about, really. But you go through that that two, three months of nothing before training camp kicks in, and then you just can't wait. Um, and then us here at NOLA.com is... A lot of us sports people, we find that's when we take our vacations and stuff like that and get away and spend time with our families that we don't get to do. That's another thing I don't get to do. I don't get to watch Cubs games. I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with my family. I did last weekend for my son's wedding, but uh, it gets lost in the shuffle for sure. I mean, that's one crazy thing about being a sports writer. But you as a sports fan, we're about to go into the dog days. What do you do in the summer? Do you unplug? Do you catch up? Do you binge watch on Netflix? Uh, the shows that you love? Um, Apple TV, whatever it is, Amazon Prime, all those different outlets? Um, I do. That's when I get my binge watching done. From about, I'd say, the middle of May until the middle of July or end of July, that's when I watch most of my shows because that's the only time I really get. And uh, you know what? I hope the Pelicans uh, make me put get get me to put off watching those shows for a little while. Make a run. It sure would be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great to have a Cinderella story here in New Orleans? I mean, we kind of had one with the Saints in the in the Super Bowl, but it wasn't all that unexpected in the grand scheme of things. I mean, sure, no one expects any team to go to start thirteen and zero, which is what the Saints did in twenty oh nine. And then you go and you win your first Super Bowl and it's a great story and all that. But it, it wasn't all that unexpected that that team was going to be good. This Pelicans team, if they were to win this series some kind of way, and they have a real shot. I mean, I, I, don't, I still don't think it's going to happen. But no one could say at this point, now that it's 1-1, that they'd be shocked if the, the Pelicans win this series. You can't be shocked now. But what a story it would be. And I would, you know, you always hear these, you get tired of hearing certain stories in, in, in sports and whatever, but it sure would be fun to hear him talking about New Orleans for a couple more weeks. I think it would. But whatever we do, going down the line, we know one thing. As Gnarls Barkley says, it's crazy. I'm crazy, you're crazy, we're all crazy. And this town's going to be crazy for another week or two at the minimum. And it's going to be fun to be a part of. And I thank you for being a part of this podcast and um, and taking the ride with us. A lot more to talk about. So make sure you stick with us. Again, we'll have two shows next week. Adam Chernoff, uh, either Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. We'll have him before I take off for Vegas. And spend a few days with Zach Ewing. And hopefully he'll be working too much and I won't be able to... Uh, lose too much money on, on the tables while I'm there. I know this, I will eat some food while I'm there. They have good food in Vegas. I'm going to find it because I'm crazy. So they say. We will see you next week. That is going to do it for episode number 67. Enjoy your weekend. Try to keep your head on that swivel, but just in between the lines, boys and girls. Just in between the lines. And look, don't forget you have a family. Turn that TV off every now and then, at least for five seconds. Go, go, go! Give your wife a kiss in, in the in the den, or your husband a kiss, or whatever. And don't forget you have kids; they need to eat. All right. We'll see you next week. Peace and love, my friends. I think you're crazy.